bring out the gimp. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. You gotta go, you gotta go. No one gets it. Am I still to create the perfect system? You take drugs, Danny? Yeah. Good. You taking the fucking piss? Staring at the wall. Cocksucker. Not seeing the wall. Nobody trusts anybody now. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. A man should have a hobby. How do you feel about the James Bond movies? Or how I, many have you seen? I've seen a good amount of movies. I haven't watched the older ones in a bit. But growing up, my dad always had like a lot of the movies. And okay. so mm-hmm. he had a lot of the Sean Connery, uh, Roger Moore. I don't know if I ever watched any of the Timothy Dalton ones. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, we had, is it Die Another Day with Pierce, Pierce Brosnan? Brosnan. Yeah. yeah, that was his last one. And so that was the one that I like watched a lot. And mm-hmm. when I was like, when I was a kid and didn't really know about the movies, I thought that was cool. And then as I got yeah. older, I'm like, these are super cheesy. Yeah. You're not a Pierce Brosnan fan? Not really. Yeah. They were getting pretty tacky at they that point, were. right? They really were. My dad also was a James Bond fan, and he had all of them, and he worked from home. So growing up, he would watch movies while he worked, and that's why I've seen so many movies. For me, I feel I really do feel like I watched like James Bond movies as much as I did like Disney movies. Yeah. Or stuff like it was kind of like one in the same and like I didn't understand anything that was happening in the James Bond movies, mm-hmm. but I still liked them. Uh, so as I grew older, I kind of rewatched all of them and found the ones I liked. And like, I really liked the Sean Connery ones. The Roger Moore ones were a little too like cute 70s to me. They got a little um, silly. Yeah. And then Timothy Dalton's, he only did two of them. Those were okay. They kind of, they kind of tried to ground bond a little bit but it was still just kind of like that weird 70s 80s time frame i don't know i just don't think that really fits with like a timeless bond feel and then the pierce brosnan's are are the ones i pretty much grew up on because those came out when we were young yeah and i too thought they were like super cool when i was young and then rewatching them even just recently we're like these are these are dog shit I think the difference between all of the James Bonds and then you get to this one is he, in those earlier ones, he's just kind of like a really big like chick magnet, getting the girl and then like being a man slut and then being like a witty, cheeky, handsome dude, but also like spy espionage. Yeah. And then you get to this Daniel Craig James Bond and it's like at least what I read too is he's breaking a lot of those like earlier Bond tropes it's a little grittier dark Mm. you know and more serious to the hitman aspect of James Bond rather than like and they definitely tackle the morality of that which none of the others really did no he's an action hero it's more of like those were like like pg movies right yeah like casino royale is like it's probably a a f-bomb away from being a rated r movie yeah or like a nutsack scene yeah i mean from that yeah it's we get close we get damn we get pretty fucking close with this movie so i think in the history of bond movies these are the i think the the best 
Like, yeah. It's kind of hard to say that because we're comparing them to movies from the 60s. And those are great. But I think these ones have come a long way as like a franchise reboot. Mm-hmm. They flow together well. There's like that. The bond carries over from movie to movie. They did a really good job like modernizing it. Yeah. And all also revitalizing the franchise because they yeah. if they kept going with what they're doing with Pierce Brosnan, oh, I don't think people awful. would like it. But I think Bond really is a product of the times. Yeah. Like they're really going to go for what people are into, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool because people are going to like it. Yeah. And it fits that time. Like these ones, the the, uh, Daniel Craig ones, like you're saying, they're serious and gritty. And that's what that's what the movies in the mid 2000s were like. It's a, um, it's a very post 9-11 like mm-hmm. feel and they bring it up in the movie too right is like one mm-hmm. of the biggest parts of it is the the short against the airlines after 9-11 and that mm-hmm. also being brought into the plot of this and it's like and like funding terrorism yeah and <clears throat> so it's you're right the sign of the t- like the sign of the times is is a good take each bond has a cold open that sets the movie in motion and then it goes into like a title sequence like the opening titles yeah and there's you know whoever artist that's kind of big at the time will do a song and then they do like a cool like opening opening sequence art sequence and then it kind of cuts into the movie so they always follow that format which is pretty cool but this one I thought was pretty different because not only was it black and white which we hadn't seen before but it was a really tame cold open when I see black and white in like a modern film my mind for some reason instantly goes to like a flashback yeah the like past. I, like I don't yeah. know if this film if what the director was doing was trying to get us to feel like this is a flashback and then when they go to color is where we actually are so we're just showing it but Mm -hmm. like the opening scene and earning double o status is something that's super neat to see in this movie yeah we've never we've never seen that in any of like the 20 plus bonds before of like him earning double o status so i think that's what the black and white is is it's showing it's pre double o and then the color is after he becomes double O. Um, and like the scenes itself is him talking to basically like an informant, like a mole or a rat. Yeah. It, in that scene, it cuts to flashbacks of him killing or like in a hand-to-hand combat. I know that not all of Bond's kills are super clean cut, mm-hmm. right? But that one's like he's just rough. in the bathroom and he's like drowning this guy in the mm-hmm. sink. You know, he's not grabbing the gun and he's not Mm -hmm. shooting him until like the title card comes. But it's, you can, they did a good job at making it like his first kill. You know, he's not accustomed to any of the choke holds or anything that he's trying to like, you know, really do hand to hand combat. You can tell that this is like his first in the field kill and he's a he's not perfect he's not he's not yeah he's not like the effective killing machine yet i think that scene does a lot to set up the direction that they're taking the franchise because it's like hey one black and white like weird pay attention like what's this and then two you kind of feel the fight like it's it's rough like it's it's um it's it's tough like you kind of feel the punches you feel the the hits and the water splashing around a little bit like it's filmed really well Mm -hmm. and the score isn't like crazy or anything yet and it's just kind of like oh you're you're kind of in this fight or in all the other bonds like one or two punches and the guys are down or he steals their gun and shoots them and then it's just like it's just a body count but Mm -hmm. in this like he kind of he he has to work for each kill and it 
and he gets beaten up in the process. It's not like he comes out unscathed. Like this yeah. is the dirtiest <clears throat> Bond ever. He always looks so clean and like hair is perfect, you know, in all the other movies. But this one, it's like, no, he's getting beat the fuck up. Yeah. Having the movie open like that, I think. It set the tone just, for the next really like did. four yeah. movies. Yeah. With for sure. Daniel Craig. For sure. And then it just cuts into fucking Chris Cornell. I think what's pretty cool about that opening scene too, just because I think it's like such a staple, like we said, to how the next movies are set up and the tone of them is how they explain double O status without making it like too on the nose. Like I didn't feel like there's a certain way that you could do it and you obviously have to explain it. I don't know. I feel like that informant explains it and then Mm -hmm. he just is like a chatterbox and before he can even finish, Daniel Craig just shoots him. He just kills him. And he's just like, of course, or whatever he says in that moment. Yes, considerably. Yeah. And then he just puts the gun away and gets up and it cuts or then it cuts to him in the bathroom and then he shoots and it does the barrel thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Which yeah. was super cool because before yeah. it was like that opening scene would always do that and it would be a pretty quick or like would yeah. they op- they would open That's it. That's how the movie would start. And then the barrel. Yeah, it would be the dots mm-hmm. and then it would show Bond walking and then he would shoot. Blood would come down and then it would go to the cold open and then the title sequence and then the movie. Yeah. So this this movie screwed with a lot of the order of the things, but I think it works super well because he's he's not really a double O yet. Yeah. So it's, I would almost argue that he too is not totally James Bond until the end of this movie. I agree. And I think that's why he doesn't say his famous line until the end, because Mm -hmm. he's not Bond yet. Yeah. This is the coming of age. Yeah. James Bond movie. What do they call it in superhero movies? Um, like Spider-Man one, like your origin. Yeah. This is kind of like the bond origin story, which is crazy because you get through the history of bond and then this 21st century era of bond movies. And all of a sudden this is his like first missions as a double O or you wanted to bring up the, um, the music. Right. Right. Yeah. So after the opening scene, it cuts to like the opening song and the opening title sequence, which, like I, it's a pretty big deal because like the songs get nominated for like best original song at the Academy Awards yeah. and blah 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 and it's just it's a big cultural thing like in some of the Bond songs like Live and Let Die yeah Paul McCartney that is a Bond song that yeah. is from the movie Live and Let Die with Roger Moore and some of them are really good some of them are not good no um, but I think this one's really good this is if not my favorite I think Chris Grinnell does a pretty good job here mm-hmm. um. But, I was like pretty surprised. Like I wouldn't expect him to do a, a Bond song, right? And not only that, but like to what he did, I think was super cool. I especially like what like the content was, which we can get to. But I'll yeah, let you finish. I my favorite is Skyfall. It's like, really good. A, like Adele fucking kills that song. Yeah, I listen and I don't listen to any of the other Bond songs. Like on my own and I listen to a lot of movie scores of stuff, yeah. but don't. the visuals to the opening here, the title cards, like the, they're a little like more 2d yeah. and like the guns are shooting like hearts and spades on lines. Yeah. I think that the casino vibe of that is super cool. I agree. I think the art direction of that is just perfect because the whole movie really encapsulates like the, the, casino bond connection obviously it's called casino royale 
in the poster, the two O's in Casino and Royale, they put the seven under, so it's the double O seven. And then like the like you're saying, all the all the suits of all the cards. And like it's just cool design. It's very minimalist, but then they throw in some like cool weird stuff every now and then. Yeah. And, and with the song like You Know My Name, mm-hmm. it's 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 cool because it's it's skirting around the fact that it's James Bond and like we said, he doesn't say his classic line, the name's Bond, James Bond. He doesn't say that until the very end of the movie because he's not James Bond yet. Yeah. And this this song, it's like he's going to, you know his name. He's going to get there. So would you say this is your favorite op- Bond opening song? I would say it's my favorite Bond opening song and like the the title sequence. I just, yeah. I love how it looks and everything. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. What about I, you? Skyfall is also good because when he gets shot and then Falls sent into the water, water and then it starts, it's a pretty good transition. Mm-hmm. I, liked, I don't know. I like the visuals of this one with the roulette wheels it's too. So cool. It's just all and like him like very, falling and yeah, it's a very like mid century vibe, which I think is also kind of a callback to like the the original Bonds. The acts in these in this particular movie are very structurally strange the first the first one is in madagascar it starts there right that's where it opens Mm -hmm. and bond is with a fellow agent madagascar carter dude carter fuck agent carter Carter, dumbass carter put your fuck put your hand down get your hand dude he falls into the snake pit and he he shoots a shot he does a desk pop (laughs) (laughs) dude (laughs) fuck Carter a callback or something? Like, why the fuck was he even in the movie? I don't know. He's just a fellow agent. He has fellow agents in the old movies. But usually it's like Felix Leiter, mm-hmm. who is like throughout all the Bonds, and it's usually played by someone else, but uh, who's also in this, and it's Jeffrey Wright, which is awesome. I love it. They follow this bomb maker, and they just start the most epic chase of all time. I think... It's just so unexpected. That, I think, normally is what a bond cold open is is what that chase scene was like after he shoots like the tank usually that's where it would go into the opening credits and it explodes like the gas tankard you know Mm -hmm. that was just that's what really set the movie in motion the cold cold open was him becoming 007 status and then this was his first 007 mission i think the use of parkour in the entire open i don't know if this is when there's like a parkour craze going on but like these guys so. are scaling in the structure of a building. Mm-hmm. I don't know if parkour was a fad. You know, I don't know if it if they're it's, going hard here. The it's still super scaling impressive. the beams. They both scale the beams. They're mm-hmm. jumping from cranes. Oh my god! You get the quick but comical fucking. I'm out of ammo. Let me throw this gun at you. Catches and he it, catches it and throws, throws it back because he's a badass. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. I laughed. I think it's that's funny. It's funny. It is funny. Right. I remember like watching that with people and people laughing at that. Like, it's I a more, good scene. I more so feel like Bond did that to be like, "Fuck, Fuck you, you for throwing yeah. a gun at me." Not like I'm gonna. Like, what do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, I'm a double O. <laughs> yeah. Bitch. I think one great thing about that scene. To me, at least, it feels and looks super real. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much CGI they used or, like, you know, I mean, obviously, they use um, stunt doubles, um, filmmaking magic, but Bond has always prided itself on doing stuff um, practically. practically. And I think I think Chris Corbold is the, is the effects 
it was all from what i looked up this was all done practically yeah um you can tell in 4k a little bit of the stunt double stuff going on here sure like uh i think i could notice it with bond jumping off onto the crane holding the tubes and then when he's like climbing up that and then it goes back to him shooting and sending himself up i didn't see any sort of rubbery cg Mm. or anything um the only kind of cg i saw in this whole like movie that i really noticed was the fucking mongoose fighting the snake for a quick second sure it was like a a backscaled showing the whole stadium oh and i was okay. like all right that's a I little see. cg but it's whatever yeah but, but i i think that lends itself to making this scene effective because yeah. for, if for a moment you don't believe what's going on i don't think this scene's gonna matter like no. i'm scared of the heights mm-hmm. like i'm scared of like them jumping from beam to beam and you know, I like how Bond's not perfect. He's a little clumsy. At first, though, they he's show like, him he's doing some good stuff. Like, he, he, he nails a jump better than the guy he's chasing. Yeah. And then the second one is a little more imperfect. Yeah, right? it's a little, like, it's a little, like, chess game between them of, like, the bomb makers doing these crazy flips and jumps. And Bond's, Bond's working smart, not hard, I in a way. Yeah. Sometimes, though, I guess, because... He's always trying to find essentially a shortcut and mm -hmm. sometimes they're not always the easiest way. Right. Yeah. When he bursts through the wall and the guy goes like, the guy like jumps through this. Yeah. The ceiling in a way. And then Bond's just like, fuck it. I'm just going to run through this. The coolest one in my opinion is when the dude jumps down the elevator shaft and jumps off and then Bond like sprints and slides slides. to the second level through that hole in the ground. That was pretty cool. It's a nice slide. But like the showing that Bond's still pretty young and just kind of, I think a big theme in this movie is how ego driven he kind of is as a young double O is him making that jump from the crane to the building and then like smashing into the ventilator and then like Mm -hmm. getting up and just like he like physically shakes off that fall and then runs. You also got to think both of them are going to break something yeah. on that jump or fall. Right. And it's like you, I think it's enough to suspend belief, but at the very least, like, I think you can kind of say like, he's got so much adrenaline just pumping through his body that he can like pop up and keep going. Yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't really get pulled out of these bond movies like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can lend myself to believe enough to like, stay within the scene even now after watching this movie so many times that's still a, such a fun scene to watch it's it's like a jungle gym that they're going through and yeah. it's just so cool to see them practically do the stunts like that's that's part of the fun is like seeing people actually do this stuff like that's why i like re-watching it and i think it holds up like i said before i think a lot of the first two acts of this movie has to do with bond's ego and they bring it up a couple of times too yeah right like he is like all right i have this guy and then he's like i'm gonna drop this gun and then i'm gonna push him towards you because i already have his bag you don't see it mm-hmm. shoot the the canister to blow up yeah the gas tank and then shoot or shoot him and then shoot the canister right and yeah just like it's a bold like it's a bold move, but I feel like that's a very young double O agent because he's on camera, right? So yeah, it's, it's a just, big part of M being pissed at him in the beginning. 
it's just ignorance. Like, I mean, he starts the scene with good intentions. He's the one that tells Carter, holster the bloody weapon. I need him alive. Stop touching your fucking ear, too. Fucking dumbass. I bet. I I hope Carter got bit by that snake. I don't think he got bit by that snake. He definitely got a, a desk duty. Desk duty for sure. You're totally right. His ego drives him to that, but he does get answers from it. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It's tough because I think that's the battle he fights with M is I'm doing stuff and I am being effective, but M's, I think, argument is at what cost? Like you're doing too much and you're not doing it the right way. But he, he gets the code ellipsis and he's able to work off like, that lead. You know? Yeah. He tracks it to uh, Nassau, Bahamas. I don't know. It's very interesting to see just how young he is in his career in an, as a double O because he's very sassy to M too. Like mm-hmm. breaking into her apartment, hacking into her computer, and then her being like, I'm starting to regret giving you double O status and him being like, well, double O's don't last that long so your regret's only going to be short-lived. Yeah, it's like, like kind of hard. It's like, that's a hard line, but he's also very, like very sassy. He's very much a ask for forgiveness, not permission kind of guy which i mean he's thinking on his feet he's doing what he thinks needs to be done and it's a good field agent it is but he needs to be reined in and that's that's the struggle with them dude his ego makes him such a prick in this movie though like i like the first like 40 minutes of this i'm just like he's such a fucking prick when he shows up to the bahamas Mm -hmm. and uh those guys throw the valet thing at him because he thinks he's valet he's like of course sir and then he goes and crashes their car just tosses the keys tosses the key and then like even when he meets uh dimitri demetrius right yeah and then he basically immediately is like i'm just gonna fuck your wife (laughs) and take all your money and your car at the poker table dude you turn that guy into a cuck (laughs) That's what Bond does. That's how I use so effective. Yeah. That's why. I mean, he, he I think I there was a cool. being like, he's such a prick. He is. I, I think another cool thing about this movie is I really do feel like we figure things out with Bond. I feel like in a way things kind of just unravel and we're just along for the ride. I don't really feel lost per se um, as far as like what's his mission and what he's doing i think in some of the older movies they're just very convoluted plans this one there wasn't really a briefing going into the mission it was just like hey there's someone financing terrorist organizations let's see if we can stop them pretty surface level yeah and it kind of just he deep dives he unravels one thing it leads to that he follows leads and we just follow him doing that that's why he says not the caviar and champagne for two, but for one, because he leaves to go find Demetrius in Miami. How did you feel about the um, silent like knife fight? That's the I'm, horn. I'm, Dude, I'm, you get the horns right there. It's like... I'm every glad you, every I'm, time it, it switches perspective of who a, the knife's going to go to, it's like... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I may have forgotten that, but I think it's a, I think it's a hair much. <laughs> it's very... It's a, it's a little Whose much. Dick is bigger. Like who? I'm gonna get you. No, I'm gonna kill you. No, no, I'm gonna kill you. I, it's like I'm gonna kill you. No, you're not. And it's like, well, what if I do this quick little move to make it you again? But then, and then it's like, oh, look behind you. Wait, <gasps> what? Oh no, <laughs> dead instantly. Yeah. So Demetrius hired the bomb maker, and then Bond killed the bomb maker. So then Demetrius is on the hook with Lashif, who was also at that time playing poker. 
which I think was cool because it showed Lashif's prowess as a poker player and it also showed bonds so it kind of built up to like oh they're both good at it right so it's it's nice to have a little bit of that background and then the chiefs on demetrius's ass to be like yo i need you to find someone to blow up that plane so i can get money i'm I'm shorting against the market right right? yeah Yeah. so then he gets the that weird guy in miami who's like basically t1000 he's basically a terminator yeah like, what the fuck is that I sociopathic don't, I don't know. Guy? I have in my notes here, airport guy. Also, I'm pretty sure it popped up on um, the X-ray for Amazon Prime. His oh, name okay. was Carlos. Oh. Uh, reminds me of Fassbender, who could almost be, I think, because oh. I just watched The Killer, too, which is a hitman. Did you like that? I did. I didn't okay. mind it. Um, I feel like Fassbender could be, like, almost an evil Bond like he probably he would have been a good like, he would have been a good bad Bond, hitman bad. to Bond's hitman. Where like like he, a rival hitman, like a rival yeah, that, like that he would have to kill like halfway through That'd the be, third uh, act. A kind little of more thing. technical, a little bit more like robotic. Yeah, and then he has to get to the bad guy after. That's cool. I like, like that. He's the henchman of the bad guy. Like Fassbender kind Maybe of is a cold blooded like, yeah, kind of guy. Like I could see him like running around being like. Mm-hmm. Let's blow up this plane. How fucking cool is it when he runs up those stairs and onto the the fuel? It is tank. really cool. I was jumps like, jumps on top damn, of it. Damn, son. Like, he fully sends it. Like, dude, if you miss that, like, I know he jumped off a crane in Madagascar, but if you miss that, like, that's a tough fall. You're laying onto flat the tarmac. Your face. Yeah. And then he's just hanging on for dear life. That shit's blowing through other cars, and it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I saw a review that was like, this is very Raiders of the Lost Ark. I kind of got that vibe a little. Going yeah. on in the, in the truck. Just like hanging onto a truck, and mm-hmm. it's working your way up to the to the driver's seat. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that the stunt, and I'm sure it's... I'm sure it's composed with CG, but when he jumps off and rolls while the other car is oncoming is insane. That kind of gets me every time. Yeah. That aerial view. He just, he, they just, the he just missed getting oh his God, legs rolled oh. over. I'm going to throw So what does it call? M, like, by the way, my fucking shins are pointing <laughs> at me right now. M, my shins hurt. M, I have shin splints. Fix some shin splints. It's very cheeky and egotistical of him, the ending of that, clipping the bomb onto his belt. And then yeah. you're saying, because obviously it's not a big enough bomb to cause stuff. It's more of like a, it's a like no bomb expert, but it's just like an igniter. And yeah. so it obviously like kills the guy, but it's like a quick like snap. And he's just kind of like that smile he, he has at the end. He gives a little fucker. Yeah. Pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back to the Bahamas. And he has a cool talk with M and they inject him with like a tracker so they know where he's going. But I think then when he sees that woman dead, he kind of proves to M that he's a, he is pretty dispassionate. He's dispassionate, but he I feel like he lies to her because she's like, yeah. does she know anything about you? Does she know your name? And she does call him James. Mm. So I think he kind of like lies to her about being dispassionate because i think he's still <laughs> young and like i know that he uses the wife to get information but i feel like there's a part of him that was probably like like he steps out of the water and like before he even sees demetrius he's like full-on engaged with this woman getting off of a horse just on just a just a majestic horse on a the beach. quick horse ride down the beach 
Dude, even in the hotel, that concierge was giving him eyes. How about when he picks up the, the wife and drives around the circle and then stops? I was like, it's like, can I go? Can we go again? <laughs> yeah, let me take you to my place. That was kind of a dad skirt. joke, right? I think it's funny as shit. I think that's charming as hell. If someone did that to me, I'd be like, take me. In Act One, we go through a lot to find out that Le Chief is an accountant for terrorist organizations, which they already had like on record. They already like kind of knew somewhat about them. Yeah. But they just, I guess, connected the dots. So that was all that whole first act was about. So the the like villain, like the main villain, really doesn't get introduced until like, I mean, that's not true. We see him early. We see him in the beginning, money. but you don't, I mean, you don't get a full picture painted yeah. of him. Yeah. It like Bond has to figure it out before we get to like what the movie's about. Yeah. And that's act two. And that is when they send Bond to a poker game against this guy because this guy's out of money. Well, he just shorted the airline and he's down like what? A hundred million, a hundred million. And just a quick tangent though. I want to know what your thoughts on uh, Mads Mickelson is like, Mm -hmm. just because I, I have this like crazy Mandela effect of if he was never a Bond villain, I feel like people would be like, this guy is an excellent Bond or would be an excellent Bond villain. Like, Mm. I don't know. They just caught him early because I don't remember seeing him before this movie. Yeah, I guess you're right. Even if I didn't see Casino Royale, I would feel like this guy would be, he's like, they always go for those, you know, European accent, kind of evil Mm-hmm. kind of got like together who's it mark strong is that the guy who is he's in kingsman in he's kingsman? like the quarter he could be a fucking bond yeah. villain too it's like that mm-hmm. english not english like european any sort of european accent kind of like intimidating looking wiry dude who can just be like totally you know that's the per and i think that's why fastbender also works with that yeah but i love mads milkison as this as a Bond villain. I think not only does he like act as a really good Bond villain, I think he has a really cool kind of shtick because most, most Bond villains kind of have something and his is like the weeping bloody eye, Yeah, which I don't know what that's from or why, but I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and it's not too, it's not overplayed, but when you get it a little bit, it's pretty damn cool. And I think yeah. it's just a nice little, it makes that character unique, not just like a, brainiac who's really good at poker like no, no, no. who cares like it's, he he is sinister like he's he's a bad dude it's a pretty grounded bond villain right because mm-hmm. he is not at the top of the food chain mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. is the middleman he has motives because he is in such a tight squeeze yeah right he loses these terrorists money mm-hmm. and he has to get it back and so like i don't know it's crazy to the point where bond almost goes i feel like when I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but when he goes up to the room with Vesper, it's almost like he knows that he's about to get attacked and he's going to try to save him mm. to get to learn more intel. I don't feel like he's going up to like murder him for some reason. I feel like more like he knows some crazy shit's happening in his room. So he's going to go save him to right. try to like maybe sure even right. climb up the food chain a little. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point by saying he's not the highest villain, but I think that's also what not only grounds the character it also grounds the movie in a way like their mission isn't to stop 
the terrorist organization. Their mission in the movie is to stop, stop the funding. funding for terrorists. So it's like, I, th- I just like how they went about it. Like it's, it's tactical. It's not, it's not just fantastical of like, let's kill, let's cut the head off this monster. Yeah. It's like, no, let's cut the bank off this monster. Mm-hmm. This I think is that a... leads to like what I think this movie has is a really interesting story, which is that it's such a theatrical elaborate way to stop their funding yeah is going into a poker game and trying and just trying to beat them and i i it's it's a little far-fetched but i think it's like this guy's cool. down a hundred million so he's gonna go to a high stakes poker match yeah. and then you have to you have to beat this guy in poker and take all of his money so he can't fund terrorists yeah yeah and you're gonna do that yeah exactly because you're the best at poker in the service yeah it's like what it's pretty wild, but I think it's it's such a classic Bond story. I mean, it actually, like, the book itself was the very first James Bond book. I think also that kind of helps solidify Daniel Craig as a Bond. Because Bond and poker is just so... Or cards. Or Why card is he games. always dressing in suits? Like, you don't have to go to every fucking dinner like that, I you know? know? But I think it kind of helps, because, like, you know, this is you know daniel craig's inaugural bond film so it's like yeah let's throw him in a in a poker game you know that'll make people believe that he's bond a little bit but that's what the like premise of the movie really came out to be was that i just i i love that aspect of the movie and even though it's the action is on the table which i think is also different it's than shot movies, very well i think it's just perfect i love it i love that it's surrounded by other fun action scenes but like the heart of the movie is the poker game. Yeah. And I think a lot goes to show too, as we skipped over, like the introduction of Vesper um, being mm-hmm. there. And we'll go back. He is just kind of immediately challenged by this woman. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what kind of gets him on his toes. Right. Is like, yeah. Cause he doesn't, from what we've seen, from he what we've get seen that. already, like he can just charm people. And it's Vesper kind of says it like to him, women are just kind of expendable, mm-hmm. right? Their relationship is just very, it's just very back and forth. And it's, it's pretty nuanced. There's it a lot. is easier than him just like getting the bond girl and just being like, I it's can have perfect my way, for right? the new era of bond that we were getting is yeah. let's actually give, let's give a character who's like actually a character and not just a plot point that, you know, ultimately is Bond's ultimate love interest Mm -hmm. and uh, just, you know, see where that goes. Yeah. Cause we don't really get that in the old Bonds. There's one movie where he like marries a woman. This is a good time for the first sponsor of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Mads Mad Eye Contact Solution. (laughs) Mads Mad Eye Contact Solution keeps your eyes fresh every time you put in your contacts. Nothing's worse than when your contacts aren't clean and someone runs you for $115 million at a poker table. The best part is Mads Mad Eye Contact Solution lets you know when you need to clean your contacts. Our special formula makes it look like you're crying blood, so it will be very noticeable to the public or you when you need to clear when you need a clearer view. Use code I've got an itch for 20% off your six-month trial of Mads Mad Eye Contact Solution. You gotta see those cards. You gotta see the tell. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the poker game, we meet Vesper. Yeah. Who is, she's the money. 
The accountant. Every penny of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she provides... You're fucking cheeky with that, aren't you? <laughs> she provides the the money for Bond to play in the poker game. And basically, she is there to evaluate if he should get it. And they have some... They have, like, like you were saying, um, some really good banter that develops their relationship more than any other, like, quote-unquote Bond girl, um, which I think she's more than that like she's an integral character in the movie and complicated as we come to find out but i think very fun like conversation to to watch especially on the train when they meet for the first time i think like it's enjoyable to watch them talk because they're like little tit for tat Mm -hmm. dude she really comes at him with the orphan card huh fuck she really calls him little orphan annie doesn't she doesn't he call her an orphan Mm -hmm. and she's then she like psychoanalyzes him and she's like, you're probably an orphan for how quick you went to that. I like Vesper. It's great when you watch the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I think it puts a lot of value to her character too. Yeah. Especially later on in I think the it movies. Because, rewatching it very interesting too. Yeah. Because ultimately, like you said, this is James Bond's first love. This is what kind of forms him to be yeah. almost a this dispassionate killing machine this is on his way to james bond Mm -hmm. and like i don't don't think there's a james bond without vesper their banter is great though the you know i got you this dress you expect me to wear that and he's Uh like i need you to come in and when you kiss me i think that's a callback to when salon solange I think, yeah. Came in and kissed, and kissed yeah. Demetrius. Because mm-hmm. that distracted Bond. Mm-hmm. He still won because he's good, but it's like he wanted that same effect. He wanted to play the same card. And then she she got some a different dinner jacket, which mm-hmm. is very funny. They're kind of like bickering like a married couple in a yeah. way. <laughs> and then she shows up from the opposite side of what. And she, she, she kind of distracts him. She distracts him. No. Yeah. She said, fuck She's you. playing games. Yeah, she's, she's playing games. She's playing games for sure. Yeah. And then he orders the drink while playing poker. He orders a drink, which he later calls Vesper. He said, I got to find a name for that. That's which pretty good. brings us to our second ad. Now introducing the Vesper. The official cocktail of the prestigious Casino Royale poker game held in beautiful Montenegro. Crafted by one of its winners, This bitterly refreshing take on the martini includes three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lele, shaken over ice, and add a thin slice of lemon peel. But if you're being a pissy, sore loser and the bartender asks if you like it shaken or stirred, just tell them back. I don't like I give a damn. Order a Vesper today. Bon finds out Lashif has a a tell, which tells... Bond finds out a signal he that thinks he knows when he's bluffing. Mm-hmm. So Lish, so Bond tells that to his Italian agent contact Mathis, and he tells that to Vesper. Mm-hmm. Now, what with the scene you're about to describe? I was just gonna say I think it goes to show that like fifteen minute, ten to fifteen minutes uh-huh. is big for his ego totally. because I think that's when he starts to drop it because he goes, he thinks he knows mm-hmm. by losing. He's going to learn his, his tell. He thinks he knows what he does. He gets cocky, goes over mm-hmm. to Vesper, kisses her, mm-hmm. talks to Mathis, talks to Vesper. And then later it's like, he tries to use that tell again mm-hmm. with his ego. Lashif gets the best of him because guess what? 
he gave him the tell, but he wasn't telling. No, he wasn't telling. And then he, he goes was up. Truthing. He was pissed. Well, he bust. Bond busts out. He goes all in on this shit. Big bust. Big boy bust. How much? Wait, wait, what's on the that buy-in? Table, dude. What's the buy-in? Five million. Fuck. And there's ten people at that table. Yeah. So is the pot fifty million? Yeah. There's something no, like that. No, the pot at that moment was, I think. Because you can buy back in. I think it was like a hundred million, a hundred something million. Yeah, I think it was a hundred million. He fucking blew it. <laughs> he blew he, it big time. He, he's like, pissed, dude. He sits at that table and just looks at the table. Like mm-hmm. everyone gets up and leaves. He grabs a knife because he's like, the only thing I can do now is go kill the sheaf. Yeah. And then Felix lighter. I was gonna say that it's just like a great like that. Oh the yeah, scene, that's what you that were whole saying, scene that, like, is from minutes. the busting. To going up and being like, fuck you, just give me the drink. To yeah. Felix like grabbing him and being like, I'm a brother from Langley. Another one of my favorite lines is when Felix Leiter is saying, we'll spot you the money, but we get to take them in. And then Bond is like, well, what about the winnings? And then Felix is like, doesn't look like we need the money. <laughs> it's so arrogant. It's such an American so, line. I know. I love it. <laughs> Dude, Jeffrey Wright looks so young in this movie, too. <sighs> I love him as this role. Yeah. He just does, does such a good job. He ages. Like, I, I remember seeing in No Time to Die, he's older. He's like, and it's cool because I feel like as a character, he's always super pleasant to see. He's a very chill CIA operative, mm-hmm. right? Like, it just seems very... He's a perfect counterpart to Bond because he's there, but he doesn't, like, overextend himself. He's kind of more of just, like... I'll help you, but like only to this extent or something. Yeah, because he was—he doesn't really get. Any they were gun going fights. to get the chief, but he never ended up getting him. Right mm-hmm. after after that part, Bond resumes at the table because Felix, because uh, CIA starts backing him because Vesper's like, I'm not gonna back you anymore because your ego's too big, and that's that is a blow to him. And I think partially why he doesn't combat her too much is because I think in some regards he values their relationship. Like his and hers so he's just kind of like and she already said no he's not going to press the issue i guess but mm-hmm. dude he um yeah he got got by le chief <laughs> he did he got le chiefed. <laughs> he really he's did. gonna get le chiefed again pretty soon oh god so he buys back in so, he sorry. works his way back up and then eventually bond wins the whole thing but it's not because he bested le chief in the tell it's because he had a better hand and he he played the chief. So it was a nice, I think it was a nice way to round out the victory because did you notice the chief tried to get him on the, on the tell again though? He tried mm-hmm. to do like the tell as if he didn't have it or whatever. Yeah. Um, he tried to goad him back into it. Yeah. But he knew. Well, Bond, knew. Bond had the best hand, which is also, cool I don't know because... shit about poker. And I was like, I hope oh, I okay. wish I have cause no he, idea. He had a, um, he had a, a straight flush and that's like all the suits all the suits line. in a line the only thing that could have been better is a royal flush which includes this the um the the face cards like the king queen and jack would it be king ace. queen and jack and ace and, all of the same suit ten. that's a royal flush so that's the best hand in poker but none of those cards or those cards weren't on the table to make because bond had like a five and a seven of like clubs or spades or something yeah, i think they were spades and so he had a, a straight flush, and the chief had a, 
a higher full house than someone else. So Lashif was kind of riding a high. He had three aces and, and two sixes. sixes right? Yeah. So Bon going into that just had the perfect hand. So he was able to kind of goat Lashif into thinking he had the best hand, and then he he flipped him. And then cool thing is like Lashif's in a complete panic because now he's not only is he out of the money that he owed everyone he's out of the money he had to buy into that Mm -hmm. so now he's basically on the run and he makes moves to try to extort bond so like bond wants to celebrate goes to dinner and then lashif kidnaps well we we even uh went past the lashif's like girl poisoning bond that is a massive scene right yeah that was yeah. That is in some. That is so intense. That is in. Like, I would say that is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Yeah. It's, sorry, I, sorry, I skipped over. No, no, no. no I okay. love that it's scene easy too because when they're at the table, like mm-hmm. the cuts are easy to go over. But seeing him get poisoned and then not mm-hmm. knowing, it's crazy, right? Is like him drinking that. What's also weird is as he's drinking, he looks at Vesper and she's just watching him. And this is after the point where she's not like her money isn't invested and they've already lost her money. So yeah. she's kind of pissed, but she kind of looks at him like something's wrong. And then he, and then he starts feeling it. Yeah. He looks at the sheaf and she's kind of giving him a smirk. Right. And then dude, the fucking the bathroom and it's just cap, like, like he grabs the salt in the oh, water man. and tries to make himself throw up. But yeah, that is an intense scene of getting over to the car and, getting on the line with MI6 and mm-hmm. figuring out what the poison is and then what to do. And then the fucking plug isn't in and fuck dude, it was pretty intense. He almost gets like run over by two cars crossing the street, just trying mm-hmm. to get to his, his ride. Super gritty. That's like, the, yeah, it's, I love it. Yeah. And then when he comes back to the table, that's before he like kind of ultimately wins. He's, he's composed and the sheaf's just like, it's like he saw a ghost. Yeah. He's like, you, dude you should be dead what are you doing here and he's and, like sorry that last hand yeah. nearly killed me such yeah. a blonde line like fucking nails it and when he was leaving leaving the table because he wasn't feeling good because he was poisoned they were like yeah but you're the big blind sir and he's just like trying to pick like the actual amount and he just throws <laughs> yeah, the table just, like, and dips flips, like two three hundred thousand yeah. just at the table Exactly. Dude, the chips are insane. When they have those, I was like cards wondering what those like, cards were. I'm like, what are those? I think the red were like, they're five hundred thousand. Yeah, and then I think the blue were like a million, and they Unreal. just had stacks of yeah. those things. It's insane. Fucking Felix, I'm bleeding chips. Yeah, <laughs> so so suspenseful. That's I think that's a great like action scene that doesn't actually have physical action or violence. Like it's a very suspenseful th- scene. Yeah, which. Um, I think it's cool because you don't see that much in Bond movies. Usually it's just action scenes. It's not like, you know, he's fighting someone. You don't really see him like just trying to, I guess, survive. It's a lot of mental games going on yeah. at the table. Yeah. So that whole, I think act two is just like just about perfect. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when I think this is when we get into act three, which is when they Vespers is kidnapped and, and then they drive after him they basically tried to get the money out of bond mm-hmm. that he just won and then the fucking worst torture scene wait right before that <laughs> one of the worst crash scenes 
They won a Guinness Book of World Records for the amount of mechanically assisted barrel rolls on a vehicle. What does that even, what, is, what do you mean by mechanically <laughs> assisted? So, so he has like the Aston Martin DBS, right? Mm-hmm. So he's hauling ass trying to get to Vesper. Yeah. She's just tied, hogtied in the middle of the road. So he cranks the wheel so he doesn't run over the person that he loves. And then he just sends... I just named a drink after you. Yeah. We just had dinner with caviar, and I named my drink. Now I'm not going to run you over. So he cranks the wheel, and Aston Martin just just spins Fucking out and flips. flips. And it tumbles for about five minutes, what it feels like. So essentially what happened is, filmmaking-wise, they couldn't get the car to flip the way they wanted to with a ramp. So they had like a a pressurized cannon on the yeah, driver's what, side. What Chris Nolan had with the fucking it's the same. It's the same. Yeah, Chris Corbel, the uh, special effects supervisor, he did the same thing with the truck. And yeah, you're right. Dark Knight Rises that flipped it all the fucking way over. Yeah, it's the same thing except it was on the driver's side, so it flipped the car on its side, and then it made it like spin like a fucking top and just mm-hmm. roll and spin. I think they used DB nines. Or they use like um, a different chassis. Let's just buy an expensive like, car. Oh my and God, it's insane. Flip it. Yeah. But anyway, they had the most like revolutions of the car on record. So they they got a Guinness Book of World Records for that. That's pretty cool. They or start... You say that it's one of the worst torture scenes? I would say this is one of the worst torture scenes. And I've watched like Hostel and Saw. <laughs> For a man in this world, if you can sit through this without like laughing at how awful it is uh-huh. or cringing because you can't watch it, absolutely. Like, he walks over there and just like drops the monkey fist on his like he like yeah kind of like throws it over his shoulder and onto his chest to let uh-huh. him know like oh you feel that yeah. <laughs> And then the first swing is kind of a little love it's a tap. Love t- <laughs> Dude, honestly, honestly, that one probably hurt the worst. <laughs> because I, I feel like at a certain point, you, at a certain point, the pain has to be so great that you can't even feel it. You're just numb to it. At one point, the pain hurts so much. You're just like, I have an itch down there. Would you mind? Dude, he did that as a bit. Because then when he actually did it, then he was like, no one's going to believe you scratched my balls. <laughs> he did do it as a bit. The he, fucker. Dude. I have, a, his, I have an itch down there. Would you mind? And then he's he hits him and he's like, yes! yeah! And no, then, doesn't he say to the right? He's like, he's like yes, to the, to the, the right, right, to the right. And then he does it. And then... When he's laughing, Lashif's kind of like, dude, what the fuck? He's, and then he reveals to him, you scratch my balls. No one's going to, yeah. Dude, you, you're going to die. And the last thing you did was scratch my balls. Oh, <laughs> God damn. I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't. I feel like after a couple hits of that, like, yeah, it's still going to hurt. But like, you got to be. His nuts you had either, to be the size of a grapefruit after you, that. Right? How is he not covered in vomit? <laughs> and how is he not? incapacitated from the pain i'd be drooling i would be passed out dude <laughs> i would be gone even that first love tap i'd probably just i feel it's the worst that he starts the <laughs> i'm gonna throw this over your shoulders so you see this big knot and oh. then just like a 
Just like a like a, he does like a, a soft little pendulum swing. It's like if someone was gonna kick you <laughs> in the gut, uh-huh. but they just kind of like came full swing and then just kind of just like hit you oh. with their toe. Yeah, and then they're like <sighs> the anticipation, and then he just goes full windmill, and then in the other room, Vesper is being tortured. I would say, quote unquote, tortured. Because this is kind of where I this is, I think, where things get a little confusing. Do you think that she's being tortured and then they show up to kill Lashif and then she's like, I'll give you the codes to the the money that we won as mm-hmm. long as you save Bond's life? Like you go in there. Right. Like- I think that's what happened. Yeah. Because the people who come in and kill Lashif and ultimately save Bond and Vesper, I think they're technically quantum. So do they who are s- technically Spectre? I think. so they know that she's been kidnapped. Then so they're coming to save. I her. think they kind of know everything. Okay, and they come in and they're like, Lashif, you lost all of our money, and we can't trust you. So boom, you're dead. Mm-hmm. They, I don't think they really care about Bond. Do they or know s- who Bond is at that moment? I maybe, but I think they don't want to. I don't think they want to be tied in with. MI6. MI6. I don't think they want and because if they kill 007 then they're going to be looking for that person. yeah I don't know how they would find them but I know it wouldn't be good for them so I think they just double down on yeah you put a pretty big target on your back right? A double O right I think that's the only thing that kind of makes sense and so and that's Mr. White who comes in and so, kills him then we wake up in like Lake Como Italy or something yeah. They're being rehabilitated I from his sand. his balls. Yeah. <laughs> I hate monkey ropes. <laughs> and Bond just they're being rehabilitated because they've been fucking interrogated and his balls are busted. Right. I can't believe he can even fuck Vesper. I don't think he can, dude. I think he shoots blanks. I don't even think his I don't even think he can get horny because his Balls that's are the why size so, of a fucking softball. That's why he's so dispassionate, because he can't perform. Yeah. Gold finger, am I right? <laughs> okay, and then the Mathis third, gets tased. The third act is an interesting one, because there's a lot going on. Yeah. But it, it happens you, really fast. Throw, I think they throw a couple curveballs at you that you're not really expecting, and then you're. I think it does leave the audiences a little bit like, wait, what? Yeah, I it, it took me some research to figure out what really happened, and over the course of years, like figuring it out. But like when he names the cocktail Vesper before she gets kidnapped, she says the CIA got Lashif, mm-hmm. and that Mathis needs me. She leaves. Bond goes to himself, Mathis, and then that's when he speeds off. So it's like, wait, what? I didn't understand what his connection was with understanding that. Right from there. from my research, and here's what I got. And when they're at this rehabilitation center and Mathis comes in, they tase Mathis, and then they take him away. So they, they were seeing Mathis as a bad guy. So I think what happened is Bond told the tell to Mathis and Vesper. And Vesper. Lashif knew Bond knew of his tell, so he played that against Bond to make Bond bust out. Someone told Lashif that Bond knew of his tell. It was either Mathis or Vesper, because that's the only people he told. He trusted Vesper from the beginning. 
Mathis unsure, even as the audience, we were unsure because we didn't really see him as much. We didn't know him as much. Who knows? Long story short, Mathis was the good guy all along. He was always Bond's ally. He was never on the chief's side. It was Vesper. Vesper was the one. She was the one who read the text to Bond. Le Chief wasn't captured by the CIA. Mathis didn't need her. Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't think so. But she got kidnapped by Le Chief. That part, I'm unclear as if that was part of her plan or Le Chief's plan or Spectre's plan. Anyway, uh, Mathis got the short end of the stick. It, it's confusing. It really is because there's very little dialogue or context to really tell you what's happening. I personally don't love the third act of this movie. I don't really either. I think it's like a it's weird love. I'm going to retire for you mm-hmm. and throw it all away. And then it's just like. And she's like. Thrown into okay like with 10 it. minutes of what is happening. And then the, it's like another 15 minutes of like weird like action. And it's cool that it's like. But the I'm action sh- at the end's weird because it's like we already we got the bad guy. Like, wait, what's happening? We're still fighting. Wait, why? Yeah, I don't really understand why we're fighting or you what's going on. Watch this woman gulp a bunch of water because she wants to, to kill gulp, herself. Gulp, gulp, she's super thirsty. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a strange ending, and I agree. I don't I don't love it, and I think that is a little bit of the weak point of the movie. But I think it's ultimately really important for Bond's story arc. Like we're saying, this is the movie that sets up Bond as Bond. Mm-hmm. And we need that to have him have that sick-ass last line of the movie. And there was a big line there from M too, talking to him. And it wraps up the development of 007. It's, it's like, remember when you said that you weren't emotionally attached? Like, now you aren't emotionally attached. Right. This is and what that now actually you, feels like. Now you know. It was like the, we're so focused on our enemies, we didn't keep eyes on our friends. Right. I don't know. It was a big learning moment from when she asked him in the Bahamas, like, where he was, kind of like as a benchmark. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, well, you got your heart broken and double crossed. Like, now you know not to trust anyone. Because she's like, who do you trust? And he's like, I don't trust anybody. And she's like, now you're a double O. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's a cool development between her and Bond because she really is a mentor. She's teaching him but letting him learn himself. And I think he has he has respect for that. I think that solidifies their relationship going forward, even though it's only like a couple movies that they get together. But I think that just goes back to what I was saying earlier is this movie really is ultimately about character development and creating Bond as Bond as a double O agent. It creates his relationship with M that she trusts him and it shows how his relationship with Vesper helped shaped him into a double O. And then the movie has a pretty awesome last five minutes Yeah, where Mr. White's at his house or estate or whatever. whatever. And then he gets a call and it's bond. Cause he has, cause Vesper left bond her phone there with Mr. White's number. Yeah. 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 She knew she was going to die, she, but she was going to lead him on the trail. Right. To figure okay. it out. Yeah. Cool. That's what I... That Yeah, that, that's what I, from like research and what I've thought, gathered. And then he... There's a gunshot from far away. Mr. White falls down. And there's a cool little like horn sound like, Donna, mm-hmm. which is awesome because it, it hints at like what is going to be this new era of Bond theme. Hello? Mr. White? Who is this? 
Like the, the main Bond theme song, we have not heard at all, even in the beginning of the movie. We yeah. haven't heard a lick of that song. A lick of Bond. A lick of it. We haven't heard it until like that splash of a second. And we're like, whoa, wait, what was that? And then he comes up in his three-piece suit, and then he delivers like the classic line. The name's Bond. James Bond. which is the first time in the movie. And I think like we were saying, it just solidifies him as that character. And then it cuts to the credits and then it plays the Bond, the famous James Bond theme song for the first time. It's the end song. Yeah. It's it's the perfect way to end that movie because now he's Bond. But it makes you want more so bad, I think. How do you feel about the movie? Just do you like it? Do you love it? I think Where after watching I think after watching it again, it was I felt like Skyfall had a pretty big gap between itself and a lot of the Bond films. But I think after watching Casino again, Casino is like right there with it. Mm-hmm. I think that Skyfall perfects what they wanted to do with Bond through this whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, but Casino is like pretty close with everything. Like it builds. He doesn't get over Vesper. Yeah. You know, right. like that is this. The whole thing is like it. The reason why he becomes like James Bond, like, and a little more of the ladies man in the, in the movie is like, cause he doesn't have a heart. Like he's always mm-hmm. just trying to get information and he's not he looking for carry. love. Right. It's right. It doesn't affect him that way. And he's able to work. And like in it. the last movie, like he's going to, does, isn't there like a, a grave for Vesper that he's visiting. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's still there. It's still there. And, yeah. Like, I think they bring it up in specter too is, uh-huh. you know, so it's, he's still wounded by it. Yeah. It's an origin story for mm-hmm. sure. And I think most of the time, one of the greatest origin stories. I, I think so. Cause I was just about to say, I think most of the time the origin stories aren't necessarily my favorite of whatever series there are. But in this case, I, it's hard for me to decide between this and Skyfall. But I, I don't know. I just love those poker scenes so much. And I like the the kind of tameness of this movie in a way that, I don't know. I just think it's it's a perfect, like, just Bond movie. Yeah, because it's a lot of action in the beginning. And then it slows mm-hmm. down. And it's a lot of mental games. It's mm-hmm. a big chess match with the poker. And then... You know, you go through that and you get the torture scene and then you get the love story and then, you know, a little bit of action and then back down to love story and then the action at the end. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty well-rounded for an origin story. You know, some origin stories are very light on how they get there. Mm -hmm. And then kind of towards the end, they fight their first like big known villain. Right. And then it leads you, which they do do that. But they don't lightly get you into it. It's not like a training, you know? They're not showing right. him train. They kind of get you right into the action and into his life. I think so. And I think what it kind of helps make it not feel so much like him becoming Bond is that 
in the opening, the cold open, that's when he becomes double O. It's not like this whole movie is him trying to become double O seven. He is double O seven, but he's just finding out like what double O seven means in a way. So it's not like he is earning his stripes. He already has them, but he's learning how to how to navigate this world in a way. Yeah. So it's not like we're watching a movie where he's not James Bond yet. Why? Okay. In Kingsman, it's not like his movie. It's not like right. It's not like go through the 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 progress of right. Exy being that stuff gets old, right? I think that stuff gets like difficult to watch spider-man right he's like he's learning how to be spider-man yeah and like he's not learning how to be bond he's not going he is but he's not going training yeah it's not like he is i don't know it's not on the nose that he's learning to be bond you realize you're learning and says that at the end you're like oh fuck like his heart was broken yeah and he's saying like whatever the bitch is dead right and like you can tell and she's like do you trust anyone he's like no and so it's Mm -hmm. not super on the nose with everything um i think but i think that's what makes it such a good origin story mm -hmm. because it it separates it from like a learner like a student it separates it from that to being like a professional just getting better at their job in a way which is funny because as you go on with the movies in this era, the Daniel Craig era is he, they have those training montages. Like mm. when he comes back and oh, Skyfall, Skyfall, he's out of shape and like trying to mm-hmm. become a, like back to double O status. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, what is your movie feeders critic review? I said, uh, Casino Royale not only revitalized the Bond franchise, it saved it. In returning to its roots, this film grounded Bond and shifted the focus to its story and characters while still delivering the thrills expected from Bond. So this is a gritty, cheeky, and dark start to Daniel Craig's Bond era and may have saved the franchise. I think so. So, like, I'm on the same page sentiment. I don't think if they went forward with, like, that Pierce Brosnan level of Bond, it would just be like, why the fuck are we watching this anymore, right? Because... We've now seen almost 40 years of and this weird, I, cheeky... Yeah, like, what are they trying I'm to do? Wink action you. hero? Fuck yeah. Yeah. We, I think other, like, spy movies really started coming out. There's Mission Impossible. There's uh, The Bourne Identity. Those those came out while the Pierce Brosnans were coming out and a little bit later in the Pierce Brosnan era to where I think that's when people started liking these uh, these more realistic serious movies mm-hmm. and bond is great because they caught on to that and so that's what they entered with this and i th- and i think that is ultimately what saved it like you got to you got to keep with the times you know mm-hmm. you got to give the people what they want but you still got to like surprise them a little bit yeah if you could only say one quote from this movie for the rest of your life what would it be uh it's a little deeper but um, I said, sometimes we pay so much attention to our enemies, we forget about our friends. It's a good one. One of the biggest lines that I ever will always remember is from Modern Warfare 2. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, game. yeah. But at the Price. end, Price and... <laughs> Uh, price and soap with uh, Makarov, and it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah. kind of thing. So it's... Oh, fuck, yeah. dude. That was insane. So if you could only say one quote from this movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? 
I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I just really want to say to a bartender when they ask me for an option, I just want to say, does it look like I give a damn? You just want to be like, shut I up. Be a I want to heel. get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. On a scale from A to Z, what would you rate this movie? B. Four. Bond's balls. <laughs> what would you rate this movie? I. Four. I've got an itch down there. Do you <laughs> mind? Of course. All right. The uh, movie genie grants you one item from um, this movie. I would say Vesper's uh, dinner jacket that she got Bond. Oh, nice. Yeah. I liked his first suit. So I'd say the dinner jacket and the whole suit's kind of what it I is. Look, it looks really nice. How about you? The DB5. Yeah, of course. I know. Yeah. Everyone wants a cool car. Uh,. Two fictional awards this movie would win. Uh, Do you want to go or do you want me to go? I can go. You go. I said the worst torture scene in espionage film history. (laughs) Okay, yeah, totally. And then I said uh, best coming of age agent award. (laughs) What other age? Cody Banks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fucking eggsy. uh, Eggsy. Yeah, dude. You're taking a fucking piss. uh, Those are good. I said... um, I originally wrote best reboot movie award, mm-hmm. but then I kind of changed it to one of the best reboot movie awards. Cause it's, I think it's kind of hard to pin this against the dark Knight trilogy and there's so many reboots, but I just want like still, I'd, I'd say there's few and far between that. It's like, this one is this one. Like maybe I should say like franchise saving award or something. Cause I think without, without this movie bond would have, would have probably not continued mm-hmm. and it's been going for since the sixties, man. Like yeah. it's been going for 60 years and counting. So that was one. The other one was uh, best poker scene in a movie award. And I know it kind of spans several scenes, but still. Okay. The other one that is probably fairly close is tombstone. Ooh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's top holiday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to do Tombstone. We do got to do Tombstone. Uh, in case of emergency, break for... We both are going to say Bond, It's obviously right? Bond. What I wrote is... Obviously, I didn't write Bond, but I wrote Mathis because he's a G. Like, he was doing some pretty crafty shit. Mm-hmm. Like, the telephone with the guy in the trunk, and he, and he just calls... Like, that's some... He's like, doing he's, some che- he's, he's cheeky. He's been around. He's cheeky. So I feel like he might know how to survive a situation. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, obviously Bond. Use this movie's title as a verb in a sentence. Do you have a couple? I just have one. Okay. So what you got to go. All right. Uh, she really Casino royale my balls. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't not bring it up, right? It's just so hard not to bring up that scene. <laughs> I said, uh, one time I fell asleep at the boys' sleepover first, <laughs> and I woke up and they tied me to a chair and Casino Royale'd me. <laughs> That's better. That's better. I also got, um, I was walking down the street, and I looked up and saw a crane, and I told my buddy to hold my beer while I Casino Royale this crane. Nice. Dude, you're learning. I'm learning. I got another one. Oh, let's hear it. I don't feel good. I need water and salt so I can Casino Royale myself. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> would this be a good desert island movie? I think so. I think so too. I yeah. think I could vibe with it. Yeah, I think it's a good action desert island movie. Yeah. You could really dissect it a little too. Yeah. Let's play a game, just me and you. You want a drink? Drink to your leg. I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink our legs. <laughs> Don't be such a square. Everybody who's anybody drinks. I drink your milkshake. Why is the rum gone? What would be so? Hair of the dog that bit me. Bourbon on the rocks. That'll do it. Here's the official movie feeder's drinking game for Casino Royale. Rule one, take a sip when the chief cries blood. Rule two, take a sip when someone goes all in. Rule three, take a sip when Bond takes a sip. Rule four, take a sip when the chief hits Bond. And rule five, finish your drink when Bond is poisoned. Hopefully this gets you hammered, and hopefully you use our advertised Vesper cocktail. Or Mad's Mad Eye Contact Solution. Drink it. Final <laughs> final thoughts. Uh, my last question for you, I want to end on this. Shoot it. Um, who, in your perfect world, who is your next Bond? Aaron who? Taylor Johnson. I think. You? Yeah. That's a good one. I have always loved the rumor that Idris Elba would be James Bond. I think he okay. would have made a really good James Bond. I think I think that tracks. I think that train has has left the station. I think it passed. I think they need someone young, dude. I, I think, think they, they keep need, getting people I, yeah. who are too old. I think and they then need by someone. By the time they make a fifth movie, they're way too old. Yeah. We need someone young. I think they need someone young, but it. they're they're moving past ATJ's point. They, I think, I think, it, I think they are. I think they're past it, yeah. unless they do a trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many they're gonna. You know do. who could kind of be good? Did you ever see Nineteen Seventeen? Oh, okay. You know the kid in Nineteen Seventeen? Yeah. He could probably be a good Bond. He's pretty young. That's interesting. He um, needs to bulk up a little. Yeah. But yeah. He could probably do that. I like it. I think um, Tom Holland's a low-hanging fruit choice, but I don't think he'd be good as it. I, think I don't he's think he too, would. He's yeah. too boyish. He's on the same line as like, I love what they did with Taron Edgerton as mm-hmm. Eggsy, but I don't think that he is like a James Bond. Like it's He does tough. a good Kingsman, Yeah, but I don't think he's like the James Bond. You need... It's weird. You need that like height of like six, mm. kind of six imposing. one, six two, like a little taller, chiseled. Um, I'm not sure, but I think the kind of going off this, I think the rumors of Christopher Nolan doing a Bond have fizzled, from what I hear, because they don't the producers the um, Broccoli. They don't want to do a period piece. They don't want to do like the 50s, 60s. And he like wants Nolan to go back wants to do, and that's what he wants to do. Which I think he would a, fucking kill it. Though. I think that's a brilliant choice because we've just had like probably the best bond be in a modern day. Why are we trying to continue off that? Let's let's take a break. Let's go back in time. Let's show some fun espionage back then, and then maybe after that we return back, maybe even to I'm this even universe f- of Daniel Craig, but like years later with a new bond. I'm almost like fine with 
them going back in time and making it like like you know that Christopher Nolan's going to make it a little serious and dark, right? It's not going to yeah. be like a, let's go back to that period, right? And do do this all over again, but make it like serious for sure. Yeah, that'd be sick. I mean, he did. Tenant is an agent movie. Mm-hmm. Inception is is corporate espionage. Yeah. So like he can do it, dude. I wa- it'd like, be sick. I think it'd be amazing. So I'm hoping it works. I just watched the end of Tenant the other day, just because that always makes me get a little sad with the whole Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. It'd be a good one for us to dive into, but it'd be a lot of explaining stuff. Yeah. But I sure. love the ending of that where he's like, I I'm the protagonist, and he says that. That's so cool. But yeah. anyways. I think another alternative is if they just flip the script and they go to a female Bond and they just call her Jane Bond. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I think it'd be cool. That kind of sounds like a porn star like, name. For a little some bit. Anna de Armas was pretty fun in No but Time to Die. They're I don't taking think her as... to be John Wick's spinoff. So they're going to do the oh, ballerina. Right. Which that would be kind of sick, though. Yeah. I think that works better. You look I don't lonely. think she... Closing thoughts? That's it. That's all I got for you. I just want to know what your bond was. I thought this was a great movie. This, was, this... this was a fun one. Mm-hmm. Glad I know, to have done I know that that runtime is fun. Mm-hmm.